Hello, listeners. Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of the Temperamental Gooners podcast. I'm joined by my man, Toes. Toes, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Omari. Um, I hope you're good. Uh, New Year's Day, well, mixed emotions, shall we say, mixed emotions. A sense of pride, but some big disappointment in the end. Yeah, it's funny. We always say we want to see a performance against these big teams, but us having a performance kind of... It, it hurts a lot more, doesn't it? It hurts a lot more in some respects. I've been thinking about this game since Saturday. Um, can't really get it out of my head because I, I, it was there for us, wasn't it? It was. It was there for us. We we competed. We didn't. But the the first ten minutes of the match, I'll just say, don't let, don't concede, don't concede, don't concede in the first ten minutes, and we passed that milestone. Then we started to impose ourselves and we had chances, we scored, and then obviously the rest of the game happened. And it's just so, you know, at the beginning of the game, as you said, we wanted the performance. That was the minimum we expected. And then when you look at the end of the game, as you've just said now, we were so close yet so far. And you just think to yourself, we could have really put down a marker there, but we can fall back at the, the uh, we can fall back on the performance, but it's just so disappointing in the end. We just couldn't hang on. And, you know, there's circumstances as to why that is, but, yeah, it would have been a good way to round off a very good uh, Christmas period for Arsenal. Um, we're going to talk about that a bit more in detail in part two and also talk about the um, transfer window as well, given we're in January now. Um, but to start us off in part one, I've got a who's it going to be for you today. He is. Who's it going to be? Who's yeah. it going to be? Yeah, listeners, you know the drill by now. I tried a new thing last week with a commentary. It didn't quite work as well as we would have liked, but it might be coming back in the future. This week, we're going back to the, the old school. I give you guys three clues uh, uh, to an Arsenal player from the past, um, and you have till the end of the episode to guess who that player is. This week, it's just toes on his own because Kibbs isn't around, uh, but I'm sure when he's listening to this, he'll be thinking about it as well. Anyway, so this week's, who's it going to be? The first, who's it going to be of 2022? This player scored the first goal in a 3-0 win against Manchester City at the Etihad in 2010 in what was this player's most prolific season for the Gunners. He played with Emmanuel Adebayor, Gail Clichy and Laurent Koscielny. And this player went on to win two Premier League titles after having played with Arsenal. So those Ooh. are your free clues. Ooh, that's difficult because as soon as you said it, I thought I thought it was I thought it was Adebayor. So he first he scored the first of three goals against City at, at against City. City. At the Etihad, or the city of Manchester, it might have been then. But I think yeah. it was the Etihad at that stage. In 2010, talking about the 2010-11 season here, in what was his most prolific season with the Gunners, he played with Manuel Adebayor, Gael Clichy, and Laurent Koscielny. And he went on to win two Premier League titles after Arsenal. Two Premier League titles. Right. So those are the clues. Listeners, I hope you're... Looking as confused right now as Toes is, I think there's a few options here potentially that he's not too sure on. Um, but we'll, we'll find out later on in the show. We'll find yeah, out later yeah. On in the show. Well, I think I just got to figure out because he's gone on and won two Premiership titles. That means he, he's he's someone from he's someone from City. Uh, okay, I know him. He's some either he's mm. from City, Man United, or Chelsea. So I think I know who it is, but let's, let's go. We'll see. Okay. Let's go indeed. Let's go indeed. So listeners, Saturday morning, um, we've got the early kickoff against Man City, New Year's. Everywhere, all the Arsenal fans, when we were looking at this fixture, were saying, oh, great time to play City, New Year's Day. What a way to come into the year. Um, but I felt as we were coming into it after the Norwich game, there was a little bit of optimism for what the team could produce. Obviously, a bit of a shame that Arteta wasn't able to attend. You know, some of the staff 
having COVID, few issues there. We had our game ended week called off. Little bit of uncertainty as to what the team might look like um, on Saturday morning, but the lineup was as follows. We had Ramsdale in goal, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, Tierney, Partey and Jacker in the midfield, Saka, Odegaard and Martinelli all behind Lacazette. Um, and so as I know before, you've, you've, you've previously said you'd like to see us maybe shift our approach in these big games. But how did you feel with the fact that obviously Arteta and his staff decided to stick with what had been working for us over that, that December period? Um, I'm happy they did. It was a bold, it was a bold uh, notion to stick with what we were going with. I, before the match, was thinking, you know, what do we do? Do we, um, do we bring, do we change it to slight, do we change things slightly, maybe change it to 4-3-3 or something, but maybe keeping the same players. I think it was whether or not, at one stage I was thinking whether we bring El Nani in to, to get full control of the midfield or what, but then again I thought to myself, probably best that we stick with the players that had been in good form. I think the only question was whether Emil Smith-Rowe was going to come in. He didn't, uh, but that's fine because Odegaard's doing fine. And then whether or not we were just going to tweak the formation slightly, but it seemed as if we just continued with the same 4-2-3-1. And that was, that, was a, that was a good decision. And, you know, the team were playing with real confidence um, from that formation. So it was good that we carried on. So I'm, I was happy with that in the end. I was happy with that. Yeah. Now, so City had played on Wednesday night against Brentford. Um, they not made any substitutions during that game. They'd rested a few key men, but it did look like maybe we'd benefited from the fact that they'd played midweek and we, we hadn't, we seemed quite sharp um, early on, even though City kind of dominated possession in that first 10 minutes or so. But I know, like you said, you were happy that we, we got out of that period without really being threatened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, I think the only thing I think I can remember from that first initial period was when I think a cross came in from the right-hand side and Ramsdale slightly flapped at it. And I can't remember whether it was Rodri or what's the central defender. Yes, it was It was, It was. was yeah. Rodri, I think, or the, oh, maybe it was Diaz, actually. Who had a header and it just went past the post or something like that. That was the only mm -hmm. real significant attack. There might have been a Raheem Sterling attack on the left-hand side. You know, they got a series of com uh, of corners in that first initial stage. But, you know, for m the most part, anytime we broke, we broke well and we were keeping them contained. I think, you know, the, the central defensive part, uh, pairing well, top, Tomiyasu was having a good game against Sterling. He found his feet initially. So we were, we were looking... We were competing. That was the important thing from this game was the fact that we were competing from the off. And that was what was very, very, I'm very, very happy to see as an Arsenal fan, finally. Um, you know, because it, it's getting really annoying that Man City, of all teams, you know, given the history that Arsenal have against Man City pre, you know, Etihad Billions, the fact that, you know, they can look at us as an easy three points, you know, it's, it's, it's good yeah. that, you know, weren't we weren't letting them have it uh from the off yeah and i think even though we didn't threaten initially i think we chose almost to kind of let the game settle a bit and then i think from the 10th minute onwards we were we were in the ascendancy i i think the first thing that i remember the first meaningful attack was the the long ball from ramsdale out to martinelli fantastic control um, on that touchline to bring it down, cut inside, push it onto Lacazette, who feeds it wide to Erdegaard, who then, I think, is clearly fouled by Edison. Um, and it should be a penalty. Do you agree? There's no doubt it should have been a penalty. It's it's ridiculous, you know, that they didn't take it to a review. I mean, it's all been on the news, especially on the, on the Saturday, about, you know, com in comparison to... Which game was it later on the day where they did go and review it or or yeah so it's it's just really mind-boggling how the ref or the var control people didn't say look have a second view on that but he, mm -hmm. he's taken you know he's taken his foot you know he may have taken a bit of the ball but the majority of his foot is on odegaard's foot uh, and it's a bit of a yeah. reckless challenge in the first place i think so man city very very lucky man city yeah, very very lucky 
I think it's funny because for that one, the ref seemed to say to the players, like, wait, VAR will check it. He didn't seem too sure. He pointed to the corner, but he was kind of like, you know, we'll get a clear view on it. So that seemed to me like he was thinking maybe potentially a penalty there. Um, and then as well, the angles that we saw the VAR looking at, I kind of agree there was nothing conclusive. But then at half time, BT Sport had the the perfect shot that showed, you know, he didn't get any of the ball. He just got Odegaard's foot. Um, so you wonder why VAR didn't have access to that or didn't look for that in particular. Um, all very strange. I think the refereeing in this game was just... <laughs> they were all over the place you know from when i heard that oh the fourth official or whatever is late or the linesman's late and having to put the fourth official and they were messing around with their comms all the time like oh they were just all over the place but anyway it was state that that move was a bit of a, a statement of intent by yeah, it, i think just it set them the wheels in motion it felt like yeah, it was. And, you know, because a lot of the commentary was that how, you know, Saka was, he needs to get isolated one-on-one versus Nathan Ake. But Martinelli was proving his own threat on his wing as well. So, you know, we had mm. very outlets on the wing. And I think Martinelli to really, apart from what we'll discuss later, he's really nailed down that spot now. And <clears throat> I'm very happy that he's been integrated in and we we're seeing a lot more of him right now. So, yeah. And, you know, Ramsdale again, his distribution. Uh, yeah, very, very happy with that move. And, you know, we, we continue to play like that. You know, Thomas Partey and and he who I'm not naming for the rest of as much as I can, the, the Arsenal number 34. Him and the Arsenal number 34 were being, uh, were being, you know, they were working well in central midfield. Odegaard was doing well to drop in and, yeah, kept on, kept on ticking over. Yeah, it felt like our passing was sharp. I'm not going to pick up on your he who must not be named I think we can talk about Shaka a bit later on but the, <laughs> you can name whoever that player is I, I just know that I just know we just have someone else in central midfield with Thomas Partey and he happens to wear number 34 I just can't bring yeah. myself to say a say name. name that's interesting but <laughs> we'll speak about him a bit later on yeah. but I think the move the passing was very sharp and slick by Arsenal at all times I think there was a, another Half chance, I'd say, maybe for Martinelli, where he struck at Edison at the near post. Um, potentially could have squared it then. Um, but then I think shortly after that was the move that we stitched together um, for our goal, which I think started, it kind of encapsulated our performance. Ben White snapping in at De Bruyne, yeah. finding a pass to Partey, he found Xhaka, who spun it into Erdegaard first time. Spread it wide to Tierney. And I think Tierney's kind of low ball could be aimed at Laka, could have been at Saka, could have even been at Odegaard. But there were three options on that side. They'd overloaded there. And um, smartly taken finish by, by Saka. And it was the least we deserved, I think, from the start that we, that we had. Least we deserved. First team, I think, they said some stat about Man City not conceding goals in the first half uh, a lot or the first time. We were the first one to do that, so that was great. I actually thought, to be honest, what I would have preferred would have been if Tierney had put it, had not put as much power in it, so he laid it in the in the path of Odegaard because Odegaard was running onto it directly. But, you know, what Lacazette does is he blocks off Nathan Ake and then uh, Saka can come in from behind. And he, the way he sweeps it into that corner... Just what a finish and what a player we've got in that guy. Um, you know, it's again, he's proving to be, you know, our MVP as he was last season. I know, look, it's going to be a big discussion about whether it's him or Emil Smith Rowe. I don't care whoever wins that award at the end of the season, but it's just great that we have two youngsters like that who are playing so well and who are quickly becoming very, very, I don't want to say world class, but they're getting up there. You, Hopefully they're going to get there. Yeah, I, I, I can't can't disagree with that. I think it was a lovely move. I even thought maybe Saka was going to just cushion in the touch into Erdegaard, who was on the run. Um, yeah. When Tierney whipped it into him, I thought maybe he was going to cushion it into Erdegaard for the clearer chance. But it just shows the confidence of Saka. He just took it on. 
buried it. And I think our two wingers were showing that they were standing up to be counted in this game. That it was a stage for them, it was a platform for them to show what they can do. And they really, they turned up for the most part. For the most part, I'm sure. For the most there part. Some things and then, and, the and then you know, you know, and then, you know, not to maybe roll it on from you, uh, Omari, but, you know, um, Martinelli gets his his second chance again on that wing where, mm. you know, he's just a whisker away from the post. Again, maybe he should have, there's a question about whether or not he should have squared it or something, but um, he's a whisker away. And if we had gone in 2-0 up then, then that would have, we'd have been really in business. But, you know, we were we were hurting Man City. They weren't... I don't want to say they weren't coping, but they were they were struggling with us, right? And that's that's all we were asking for overall and in that half to show some to a statement in of intent, you know. It was, that, good. Yeah, it was a football match. Um <laughs> where two teams could, you know, win the game. And too often we've seen these these games not be football matches, they're just, you know, a training drill. One team passes around Arsenal and scores goals and yeah. we never looked like we could threaten but yeah like you said Martinez run there to kind of show Cancelo the ball pull it away from him and you know take on all comers I think he should, really Cancelo should have cleaned them out in the box but he gets the ball back and, and makes a chance of it but yeah I do agree there was there was a nice little square ball to Erdegaard that was on he didn't yeah. play it maybe that's where you know he's it will come that decision making I think he's on such a hot streak right now. I can't really blame him for wanting to take the shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we go in at half time, not really having been threatened. I think City hadn't had a shot on target. We'd been really the most dangerous of the teams. And you're thinking, something's going to go wrong at <laughs> some point. But can we manage it, mitigate it, and prevent it from being you know, a catastrophe? And then comes the crazy five minutes, um, just from the 50th minute onwards, really. Um, how did you feel when Bernardo Silva was squaring up to Granit Xhaka in the box? What did you think was going to happen then? Um, you know, it, it's, always, it's always difficult because Bernardo Silva is such a tricky player. And, you know, the, the Arsenal number 34 is not renowned for having quick feet. So any sort of like, duck and then weaving into a different direction is going to get him tangled up and and that's what happened I, I you know the disappointment I really want to rant and if you had done this two days ago I'd probably be ranting or ever so the, the least is me just saying the Arsenal 34 the problem is is that this player gets into this sort of issue so many times and I've seen it so many times where a shirt's been pulled or whatever and it's just like mm, why'd you do that because we've got they've got VAR now it doesn't make sense to do that I don't think the contact with the knee what I was trying to work out and what I was going to say is this there's two reasons to look at why that could have been a penalty the clash of the knees and the tug of the shirt you're giving VAR and the ref two options to look at right Without a penalty, that didn't go. It was only one thing, the clatting of the legs. It wasn't given. Here, you've given them a chance to look at the, the clattering of the knees. That's not, okay, what about the shirt pull? And you look at the shirt pull, and it's blatant. And you have to, any football fan who, you know, and everybody said it, it's a pen. It's a pen. But why are we in that position? Why does that player constantly do stupid things like that? And you know, I don't want to go, I am going to go a tiny bit on a rant, because last week, you know, we talked about how Ober has let the side down. And then I counted with, well, how many times has this guy let us down? And we said, you know, well, at least o Ober's not being there has, you know, has maybe counted against us. But this guy's done it on the pitch too many times, you know, too many the times. Only thing, the only thing that I would say is that I think, I think that's a normal mistake. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a big deal, to be honest. I think against a team like Man City, that can that can happen all the time. It like can. A, a, center mid, a center midfielder finds himself in a position he does not want to be in. He, you know, tricky winger drops his shoulder. And then, as well, 
I think if you look at the components of that foul, that shirt pull has nothing to do with why Bernardo Silva can't go around there. I think, while I think it's a penalty just because there's contact, I think it's just the stupidest thing. Because if I pull your shirt the way Xhaka pulls his shirt, you don't fall to the floor. He's going down already. I think the contact of the knees is is far too slight. And I think that's why that was not of interest. But I agree with you. Yeah, the fact that there was that shirt pull there gave them something to look at. And, and, and- Exactly, and it's the way he, the extended shirt pull. It's not like it's yeah. You know, it, I'm going into semantics here, right? With like yeah, I know back. what you mean. It is, it's a proper tug. That's, that's the issue. Yeah. That's the issue. You can see it. That's the issue. It's, it's really you know blatant. Let, let me say something in slight defense of the Arsenal 34s because what is really hypocritical is that a couple of la- whether the last round of games. I think Paul Merson was watching some games and a, and, a, and a penalty got given. I can't remember which team it was against and who was playing for. A penalty was given in the penalty area for tugging of the shirt. And Merson was just like, well, if we're giving penalties like that, then there's going to be penalties every week, right, in the box. So it was, um, and it was given. Then there was another match later on where there was another shirt pull and it wasn't given. And that's the usual thing, like shirt mm. pulls from a are not given so how come in that instance it's given you know kind of thing so it's just it's this whole thing they need to be a bit more consistent right so yeah. what i'm expecting is now if i see a shirt pull from a corner the referee should give a penalty that's what they should but do i also think as well you'll never see them give a penalty uh, give a free kick outside the area if someone kind of runs past someone is falling over and then there's a little tug i think the referee do what he did in the game and just be like Nothing to it. Obviously, VAR can't get involved then. And no one would bat an eyelid because he fell before anything had actually happened. But anyway, I think, you know, penalties given. Obviously, there's outrage. I think the replay in the stadium definitely didn't help as well because I think it was really clear that Silva was hitting the deck. Yeah. Whatever happened after it happened, but he was already going down. But anyway, you know... I'd want that as a penalty if I was an Arsenal fan, Definitely. if it was an Arsenal one. So, Mara steps up um, and just puts it away, just dispatches it. There's nothing to it, really. Um, and the way, I, the way I was thinking of it is that in a game against Man City, there's always going to be a setback. And it's just about making sure that whenever that setback occurs, we don't then make the next mistake. Like, don't make the next mistake. Um, and we didn't just make the next mistake. I think we made the next two or three. Because yeah. once the penalty scored, then Gabriel runs up to the ref. He was looking to card anybody, I think. And Gabriel just volunteered. So he got a yellow card for that. From kickoff, um, clip ball over the top. Causes a bit of confusion when Lacazette nods it on. And Laporte heads over the keeper. Ake off the line, Martinelli somehow gets the post. There's there's a couple of things with this thing that with this you know run of play that frustrates me. The first one is you know what, we're so unlucky that it just doesn't go in. But I, I think I'm a bit disappointed with Bakayo Saka in this sense because if you see it, he's running, but because he's thinking that it's going to go in, he's not attacking it. So just his mere attacking it like that, that might put off um, Ake or discourage Ake to keep going for it. Or at least if Saka's in that position, when Ake goes to sweep it, maybe he's able to put his foot in front of it and it deflects and it goes in. Then there's the Martinelli. Like You can criticise Martinelli for not sticking it in, for taking it his first time. Maybe he should have had slowed himself down or come in at a different angle and then pass in with his right so he had more of a the goal to aim at what's the referee doing though charging in front of him like yeah. that so uh, i mean it's, I it's, it's unfortunate I, but i don't know where i yeah. heard this but someone made a really good point that the, the one thing the referee doesn't need to actually look at and judge for himself is whether that ball crosses the line because he's got a bloody that's the one thing he doesn't that's the one thing he doesn't need to run and check that's the one thing he doesn't need to do he could have stood on the halfway line let that passage of play run out and um, he would have known whether it crossed the line or not. But yeah, him sprinting to try and get ahead of Martinelli to see 
then means he's in the way when Martinelli tries to take the shot. So just another kind of really poor bit of officiating, I think. It's stupid because um, I, it, by then it's the ball's already off the line. So why are you still charging yeah. the area? Yeah. No sense. Yeah, exactly. I, and you know, as the listeners will know, because Kibbs has revealed several times, I have been, I was a referee in a, in, a, in a former life. And the one thing they always tell you to do is just stay out of the way. Yeah. You know, you want to be 10 yards from everything that's actually going on. Um, but anyway, yeah, Martinelli's miss was, obviously, it was poor, but I think it is mainly because the referee's coming in that angle. Yeah. He's coming from the opposite way. The only way he can strike it is really to trust it is with his left foot. He could take a touch and hit it, but I think I get him being in a bit of a rush of blood. I think you're right about Saka as well. He kind of takes his foot off the gas and then lets Ake have a clear run at clearing it, really. Um, but, okay, you missed that chance and you're thinking, that was, I was really happy about that chance though, because it just, it meant that we still believed that we were, you know, in a game. Yeah. And then as they're showing the replay, all you hear is Martin Tyler say, Gabrielle's in trouble here. And you're yeah. like, what the hell has happened here? And then he's getting a red card and getting his marching orders. And I think it's the exact same foul as against the Walcott against Southampton, isn't it? Yep, totally. And that's what I was thinking. I was thinking Gabriel has previous form like that. It's a shame because he's, you know, in retrospect, this is the best game for him to have done that on because we've only got a League Cup game and an FA Cup game. So he's not going to miss a league game properly as such. So we're not going to miss him. But it's just like, you know, if we have t- if we have 11 men on the fit on the pitch, then we can still compete, you know, um, with 10 men against Man City. It's very, very difficult. Um, you know, I talked about Wolves's rear guard action a couple of weeks ago. We we got ourselves to that. But again, you know, given how we were playing, it's so silly for Gabriel. So silly. So I- I'm a bit I'm frustrated for him because the ref is having a poor game but again he's given the ref an opportunity so he's he's not blameless at all he's not blameless yeah it's a, it's a terrible foul really because he's he's looking he's not trying to get tight he wants to i think he wants to foul the guy do you know what i mean he wants to let him know he's there but i think gab uh, jesus has just turned him completely and maybe he didn't think he was gonna take the touch around him yeah um so the foul just looked maybe 10 times worse than you might have expected it to be and he was always going to go for that I think there's no way there's nothing the referee can do there once he once he booked him um and then I think you see about 25 minutes or so of or 30 minutes really of of really good kind of structure organization discipline keeping City at bay restricting them to long shots they don't have another shot on target until 90 plus three. Uh, I have a lot of issues with how this goal comes around, to be honest, because I think when De Bruyne picks it up, I feel like the whole world knew where that pass was going to go with Laporte running in behind holding, uh, apart from Rob Holding, who didn't drop. And then Rodri kind of steams past Partey, who had a really good game, but doesn't track a runner. Yeah. And it's the one time where the ball kind of falls for them. And it's yeah. an easy tap-in. Yeah, it, it's, so, it's so unlucky in the sense that, you know, how Aaron Ramsdale said at the end of the game that the way Holding does get his head to it, but then it drops kindly in the melee, it drops kindly, um, you know, deflects off him or, or Ben White and, and into the path of... Rodri, who then is just able to, you know, sweep it in with his left foot, running to the crowd as if, anyway, look, let me not get into it. We would all do the same if we had scored a goal in that, in that, in that, uh, in that time of the game. But it's just so frustrating that we just couldn't hang on for that little bit longer. So, don't really want, you know, I, there's not much for me to add apart from your analysis there, Amari. It's just, it's just everyone knew where that ball was going to go. You would hope that maybe Rob Holding's initial header gets a bit more clearance so it goes a bit more out of the box. We can then sort of like rehuddle, make things, you know, concrete in the middle as best as possible. Just didn't fall for us. And, you know, we're really unlucky. We're really unlucky. But, you know, to sum it up, yeah. there's nothing but 
good pride in the way that at least we got the minimum, which is just like Man City came to town. They didn't just walk off. They didn't beat us handsomely. And also as well, they didn't beat us like when they pity us. Like last season when they went 1-0 up, it's as if Pep looks at Arteta and goes, yeah, I've dashed you enough now, so I'm just going to tell the boys to keep yeah. it right so at least that didn't happen but yeah um you know let's take the confidence from it Amari. let's take the confidence from it i think we really we really should i think it was um we were more than competitive i think we were the better team even when we were down to 10 men they weren't able to break us down i think that's something to really be happy with i think yeah holding's just body shape was just all wrong you just you just knew uh, just watching it i was like oh fuck. like <laughs> ah, just ah. But anyway, 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 anyway. And it's always Arsenal. We don't, we never get our, we never get our time in the sun where everyone can just be like, actually, they are really good. Yeah. Because people can still say we we capitulated or whatever. But I really don't think it was that. I think yeah. there was a period where you know you need the decisions to kind of fall your way. You need that bit of luck. And we didn't have any luck yesterday or oh, on Saturday. It was every everything that we got, we had to make ourselves, really. And, and and without going too much into part two, this is why it's so important that we get the cash injection of Champions League or at least the Europa League, because I really want us to go to those guys. And I'm hoping now that Arsenal, the next time they play Man City, they will just all remember this moment and say, these bunch of you know see you next tuesdays we can't we can't let that happen to us you know we really can't so that's uh, they, hopefully when next time we play them they'll feel aggrieved enough to say look let's give it to them again you know yeah and feel that to themselves they're on a they're on a certain level with some more quality additions hopefully yeah i think minus foden and um walker that was the best team that city could put out yeah, I think, and we we really put them under pressure, so I, I can't really complain too much about that. Um, we'll have to talk about the number thirty-four. I think um, either in part two he might come up, or, or I feel like he might be in line for for something in part three as well. So I'm sure we'll get a chance to have a little dive, deep dive into into, into him a bit for later on in the show. But um, do you have any other takeaways from from the match, or should we move this into into part two? Just the fact that, you know, we, we got the minimum we wanted, which was a good performance. Um, we were unfortunate. It's just a shame that a series of events uh, from the penalty to that miss, they all conspired against us. And then, you know, we didn't get the luck of the grain at the end of the match. But what needs to happen now is when we play Man U at home, Liverpool at home and Chelsea away, certainly Man U at home and Liverpool, uh, Man U, Everton, and Liverpool at home, when we play them, this is the side of us we show. And I'm only saying Everton because I want pure revenge for that game uh, earlier that we lost to them. Yeah, yeah, understood. Yeah. We've got to go away to Spurs as well um, yeah. in a couple of weeks, which I think is a big game, but I'm sure we'll have enough opportunity to, to preview that at some point. Uh, I think, yeah, really agree with you. Just a mad few minutes that only Arsenal can really... <laughs> really ever do um but we've got to take those positives on and i think i think they will i think they're they're growing but we can come to that a bit more in part two where we talk about the progress we see in the club and the team over this christmas period this hectic christmas period where we've really played a lot more football than most um and we'll talk a little bit about the january transfer window as well um we'll be back right after this And we're back for part two of the Temperamental Gunas podcast. I am with Omari, and uh, we are now looking to reflect on uh, quickly on our league games over this Christmas period, really starting from the Southampton game to this Man City game, and also seeing what might be uh, what Arsenal might be interested in in the transfer window. So, uh, Omari, you know, just reflection on how when we saw this run of games, you know, and which I think it sort of like coincides with Aubameyang's, uh, you know, you know, being dropped from the squad and the captaincy being stripped. 
you know, when we saw these run of games, which included Southampton, West Ham, uh, Norwich, Leeds, uh, am I missing someone? Okay, we probably had the Carling Cup game as well. Yes, you know, and, uh, yes, we Southampton, had, West Ham, Leeds, Sunderland, Norwich. Was, yeah, yeah. We, we came off an inconsistent run before this because I think we had we had obviously lost to yeah that's it we had lost to Man U and Everton and then I think we won against was it the Newcastle or Watford game we won no no then we beat we Southampton yeah then we came so, yeah, nervous we nervous start against Southampton and then we ran out three 0 winners yeah so it was those two games we came off the back of which we as all Arsenal fans we were really really disappointed with the loss against Man U and and Everton. Our top four challenge was looking quite bleak, and somehow, some way, we've managed to, you know, we're in. We may have played more games, but we got the points on the board. And it's just a shame now yeah. that we didn't play Wolves because Wolves are quite a tricky team, and I think this would have been the, their weakest point. So it would have been good to, you know, further get another point on the board now. But yeah, how have you? How yeah. Have you now, the first thing I want to say is that I don't care whether teams had injuries or whatever you know we beat what was put out in front of us and we beat them convincingly each time and we performed consistently across all those games including the city game as well um and i think people wanted to say oh why are people getting so carried away you beat norwich you've beaten leeds the leeds second team you beat norwich they're crap anyway but i think we dealt with those teams comfortably and confidently and we didn't stutter in those in those games as much as our rivals have against comparable teams you know spurs struggled against southampton i watched that whole game they got a draw they played southampton who had 10 men for a lot of it um couldn't beat them after having had a lot of time off due to their covid outbreak Chelsea dropped points against Everton. Wolves as well struggled to beat Leeds at home. Um, United beat Norwich 1-0. Had a couple of weeks break. Struggled against Newcastle. You know, um, so I think people need to maybe put some more respect on that little run that we put together. Um, maybe they will now because of the fact that we played so well against City. But I think it was the first run of games where I've been really convinced by the performance in terms of knowing how we're going to play and, and, and believing that we, we were going to win every time I sat down to watch us play. Yeah, yeah you've, been, you've been pretty consistent with how your confidence in terms of who we're playing against. I remember, you know, when we predicted the West Ham game, you saw it, you didn't see any other thing but a win. Uh, same, I think, for Leeds, which I was a bit cautious for, I think, maybe as well. But yeah, Arsenal, we've come through this period really well. I mean, you know, just the City, just the City uh, game. And, you know, for the most part, I think most Arsenal fans weren't confident of us winning. So we've got a bit of a tiny, we've got a fraction of a bonus in the sense that, you know, the performance met that. But I think our top four challenge is is good. We may not necessarily get there but at least we're making it difficult and what was what's frustrating about this weekend is just that the fact that you know our rivals like West Ham won and Tottenham got a, a fluky win right at the end that's maybe what's disappointing we're hoping Wolves can maybe dent Man U's chances tonight yeah and whatnot. But are you how confident are you with us getting top four now um you know what I I always try and look at it in terms of comparable results, in terms of performances against, you know. So I won't think about the fact that we lost this weekend. I'm more thinking about, you know, when we played Watford at home, how did we perform? How do I think we're going to play when we play them away from home compared to how Spurs did? Yeah. I'm not convinced by Spurs. I think they played really well against Liverpool. Um, but I watched them against Southampton. There wasn't a lot to them. I watched them against um, Watford. There wasn't a lot to them in those games. I think they've got a lot of quality in Son and Kane. But I think behind that, there's a lot of a lot of questions, a lot of question marks. Um, I think... So uh, I think they'll, they will consistently still drop points 
throughout the rest of the season? I think my fear to, to you know, sort of like contrast what your what your views are on Spurs, just the fact that if it was any sort of, if they still had what's his name in charge, Nuno in charge, then yeah. perhaps I'd be as confident as not. I don't want to say that you're being confident, but you know maybe I would share your view more. But I just think because they have a a serial sort of, I don't want to call him a super manager, but Antonio Conte can get results. I think that's what my fear is, is the fact yeah. that it, it, if we don't see Tottenham drop, you know, they played very well against Liverpool. They've somehow ground out a result against, uh, against, um, uh, it was, it was Watford, Watford. right? Yeah, Watford. Yeah. You know, they, yet they struggled against Southampton. I'm just hoping that they drop points so that we can still see a chink in his armour because I think Conte's got them on a level now and that's what I'm hoping slides. They've still got um, some big games to go. Uh, well, yeah. the good thing is they've got a game against us and yep. then they've got a game against Chelsea. So it's not as if it's going to be easy their next couple of games, right? So yeah. that might put... And their, their two postponements as well were away games. They're away to Leicester and away to Brighton, which... Those aren't easy games. And also those are games that we kind of got done when maybe, you know, we got the draw against Brighton, yeah. which is a good result, I think. And we beat we beat Leicester yeah. away. Um, I don't is know whether they'll Burnley? match us four points. Not, They've also Burnley? got a Burnley game. Okay. They've also got a Burnley game away because that was called off earlier because of yeah. snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's away it, as well. Yeah, Burnley away as well. So, um, but yeah, I do think Conte is going to be the difference there. For Man United, the, the worry is that they've got such a strong squad. Um, and if at any point that kind of clicks into gear, I think it's going to be difficult to kind of keep up. But the longer they keep, I watched them against Newcastle. They were awful. Yeah, yeah same Really, really, really bad. Um, so, and I think we'll see something similar again tonight against Wolves, maybe. Um, fingers crossed. I'm I'm hoping. Um, so all in yeah, all, what, yeah. Oh, sorry. All in all, you know, what do you think in our Champions League? Class? I think it's maybe a season season too soon. I think, but I think we'll give it a good push. Yeah, at least push. And I don't think I don't think I can be upset with that. No, I, and I think yeah. I mean, the the we the main thing was for us to get back into Europe some way, shape, or form. Uh, this year. Okay, not really the Europe, the Europa Conference, but um, to get into those one of those top two competitions, if we just miss out on the Champions League, but we comfortably get into the Europa League, then I think that will constitute as a good season. Um, and yeah, let's agreed. just be there and thereabouts in the in the running. I think you know, yeah, agreed. Have an opportunity from there. Will... Anything can happen. Yeah, <clears throat> I think not I'll, to be rude I'll... to West Ham either. West Ham oh. are gonna be around. Yeah. But I just think we are maybe a little bit ahead of them now. Um, I think our and I think our fixtures in the latter part of the season, the last month, I think they're they're relatively kind to us. I think definitely in late April and May, I think they're kind to us. I think I know we've got. It makes just, sense given our our little run that we've just gone through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let, let's turn our attention quickly and briefly to the transfer window, uh, Omari. Um, Mikel Arteta has intimated there might be some activity going on. Do you really, two things, do you really see any activity in terms of ins? We, we, we probably know we're going to get some outs in like Maitland Niles, uh, Balogun, perhaps maybe El Nenny goes, Abamyang is maybe in the air. Do you think we're going to get some ins though, as well as those people we've touched um, on maybe leaving? I'd still be surprised if Aubameyang weren't, just because I don't know who or where he could go. Um, but I think there's definitely, you know, we'll see what happens when he comes over from African combinations, but it doesn't seem like that's been resolved yet. Maybe it was just a clean way to break it and say, you go to the Cup of Nations, come back, and then we, we bring you back into the fold. Best case scenario, that's what happened. Um, in terms of ins, rumours today about Alexander Izak. Arsenal now being favourites to sign him. I think that would be an amazing deal. But I think that I think that might be Sociedad trying to stoke up interest again because I can't see why he would go to Arsenal ahead of other teams um, in 
in Europe that are looking for strikers. Um, when you, yeah, but maybe there's no not a market for him because everyone's looking at Haaland and Mbappe. Real are looking at Mbappe. City maybe thinking about Haaland. Maybe there's nowhere that's looking at Isaac. So who knows? Um, midfield talk about Bruno Gamarais, who is um, playing in, in in Portugal. No, who's from Portugal? We're playing at Leon. Yeah, he's playing for Leon. Um, he's and the, he's glad central midfielder as well, Sakara as well. Sakaria, yeah. Um, who I think you mentioned as someone. Did you mention him as someone that you like? This because he, he's a Swiss centre midfielder, right? He plays with. I don't. It, I think it's his. It's his. It's his forward that I like. Who always who okay. also plays for Munchen um, Gladbach? Because in my head, I think we need more of a sort of like strong, powerful central striker. I think that's forward. Striker. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Zakaria played well. I didn't notice him at the at the Euros, and he he's he's a decent 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 player. I don't know whether we're actually going to get a midfield option in. Maybe maybe alone with an option to buy. Similar to the Odegaard deal, I think we'll do something in January. Um, but we always try and do something in January. Um, but yeah, I think it will be midfield and, and up front. I don't think any other business will be being done if if at all. Um, I want to also give a shout out to another striker that I've seen of. I think could be a decent option. His name is Arthur uh, Cabral. He plays for Basel, Brazilian forward. He's a bit bigger. Um, kind of like you were saying, that Munch and Gabak um, striker. He's a bit bigger, a bit more of a bullying forward. He scored a lot of goals over the past two seasons for FC Basel, but obviously Swiss Swiss League, so hey, we, harder to tell. But hey, we've got I, the you know. I think we've got to be smarter in the transfer window, right? And I think shouts like that are are good because even if he doesn't, with the f- sort of firepower we have around our strikers, so Martinelli, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, uh, and Saka, we may not necessarily need someone who is 25 goals a season. We probably we need someone who can definitely get between 50 and 20, but you know that that that's where I think we may be may go. But then again, right? You know, sometimes you just need some a striker with x with an x factor and who can just win you the game out of nothing so that's that's what we don't have currently in like Lacazette yeah. and Aubameyang is on the wane we hope he can come back but you know it's it's not it's not definitive um just final words on the transfer window I know we breeze past it it's just because uh, obviously we, we want to go into part three um if you had to choose a position um up front or midfield uh, where would you go for? And of the people we're linked to that we've mentioned, and some others as well, who would you who would you go for if you only had if you could only get one person? Um, this, I'm going to contradict myself here because I would go for the centre midfielder because I think we need one. But if this is the only window where for some reason we could potentially get Alexander Isaac, yeah, you'd have to sign him. Because he's top tier talent. More realistically, I think they'll focus on the centre midfielder. I think maybe Gamaraj should probably be the best option um, of the centre midfielders that we've on the table. Seems to be a bit more of a composed version of Xhaka, although he's right footed. But um, yeah, could could be could be the centre midfielder I think they'll go for. Omari, uh, uh, that's a nice way to close off part two. I will take anything. There's a composed, more of a composed version of the current Arsenal number 34. And with that, we will go to a break. We'll be back for part three for who's it going to be predictions for the um, for the Liverpool Cup games and I suppose Nottingham Forest and then uh, and then high five and throw a pipe. We'll be back right after this. Hello listeners, this is Toes from the Temperamental Gooners podcast. Thanks for listening and uh, supporting us in season one. We want to hear a lot more from you this season. So please follow us on Twitter at TPGooner. You can also find us on Instagram at Temperamental Gooners. And of course, you can send us emails with your questions 
at tpguna at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Listeners, we are back. Part three, Temperamental Gunas podcast. And there's no better way to start it than revealing who's it going to be. I know you're all on tenterhooks. You've been waiting for this moment. I'll give you the three clues again. So who's it going to be? This player scored the first goal in a 3-0 win against Man City at the Etihad in 2010 in his most prolific season with the Garners. He played with Emmanuel Bayor, Gael Clichy and Laurent Koscielny. And he also went on to win two Premier League titles after his time at Arsenal. And his name is... I think, I think it's Samir Nasri. I think it's Samir Nasri. I think it's Samir Nasri. Interesting, interesting. Very good shout. Definitely is Samir Nasri. Yes. The <laughs> diminutive Frenchman. I don't think he was actually that small, to be honest, but um, yeah. he's just so slight and tricky. Remember in that season, in that 2010 season, 2010-11, he scored a couple of ridiculous goals. I think Fulham and West Brom, where he like dribbled past everyone. I think I think it's Fulham one, and then he's falling almost backwards, and then he sort of like manages to to scoop it yeah. in that right hand yeah. side. And then there's a goal against Porto in the Champions League. Yeah, I think that's the season before, or two seasons before maybe, yeah. when we got to the semi final. Yeah, that was a lovely goal. Good player, but, you know, he ruined it. He ruined it in a way. But the thing is, right, I mean, I suppose, remember there was a, there was a, his last game for Arsenal was when, was it, I think it was going to Liverpool at home and, you know, yeah. he was put in and he played. He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, he gave it all and then he got transferred. But, you know, we, we give him a, we give him a bad rap, Samir Nasri, and, you know, probably deserves it. I think more is his whole arrogant thing with, for me, I've never liked him since I found out about how he was a bit too arrogant with the French players and, you know, with Thierry Henry and whatnot and didn't help with him going to City. Just like we were being cities, like we were being the equivalent of Southampton to Liverpool for a short time. Yeah. Giving them Thierry, Gael Clichy, Adebayor, Samuel Nasri, you know. Yeah, we were a feeder club. We were a yeah. feeder club. Um, but yeah. Yeah, good player. Anyway, right. so that's who's it going to be. Um this the busy game, the busy period keeps on going, more and more games coming, thick and fast. We've got a cup game this week against um Liverpool. Um League Cup, not one that Klopp has taken that seriously really in his time at, at in the in 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 England. But I don't think we've beaten Klopp's Liverpool. Um maybe one- we, I think we did last season. We did on the penalty shoot. Yeah, I, I think. Oh yeah, in the community shield as well. Yeah, yeah we. I, I think. Well, I think you know you went a bit connection there. So I'm just hoping that what you said was we beat them. Obviously, there was a time when they had already won the title at the Emirates. We won the two nil. Yeah. Then we won yeah. the community shield, and then yeah. we actually beat them. I think didn't we beat them in uh, in the League Cup? A penalty shootout? No. We lost we, that, did we? Oh, uh, we beat Wasn't them that in the penalty shootout last year when Maitland-Niles, yeah. Yeah, we did. We won that. So I'm just yeah. hoping that, you know, he... I'm hoping that Liverpool, you know, whatever they play, I just want us to be able to have confidence that we've beaten Liverpool. You know, whether they yeah. play more kids or not or whatever, because they've got more big games and they are suffering, their squad is suffering. I just hope that we can impose ourselves and we need we need to get into the mode of irrespective of what the lineup was we can tell ourselves as a team and a club we've beaten liverpool right i know it's small fry the carling cup but let's have that in our heads that yeah we've been liverpool this season let's let's yeah i think we need to make it happen um they will i mean salah and mane aren't there Navi Keita would be there as well. I, I imagine he'll he'll go. He's going to the African Cup of Nations. Maybe even Matic as well. Who's Matic play for? I think Cameroon. I think he's Cameroon. yeah, yeah. He must play for Cameroon, right? Is he going to go? I don't know that he's going to go. But anyway, yeah. I think you know that's a lot of um, 
a lot of firepower out of their team just in Salah and Mane. Um, and you'd hope, especially given the performance on the weekend, we can show it again at the Emirates under the lights, cup game, Thursday night. I think we'll go strong, given we've not got, um, we've got Forest in the cup on the weekend after that. Yeah. So I think we'll go strong for this one. Um, how do you see it panning out? Um, I see, I, I'm with you in thinking that we'll go strong. Um, I, I want to see a, a tiny bit of change, maybe just to protect, given that uh, Ben White is now, uh, well, there's no Gabriel. I, I really don't want us to risk Ben White. So maybe a uh, combination of holding and chambers. I know that weakens us slightly at central defence, but I don't want to risk Ben White now. Um, uh, but if he has to play because it's a League Cup and we're in a semi-final, then so be it. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see a tiny bit of a mix-up. You know, let's not let's spare Tomiyasu. Let Cedric Suarez come in. Let uh, Balogun play um, somewhere other. Smith Rowe will come in. We've probably got to see Lakonga with the number 34 in that central midfield. Um, because I don't think we can risk Maitland-Niles getting an injury now or something like that. So, yeah, I, I think we may run out like 2-0 or 2-1 winners at home. Okay. Just our our home crowd. Yeah, I think I think he'll play White, actually, just because because of the fact Gabriel's not there. I don't think he'll want to rest no, or, not, or be without two of them. So I think it'll be probably White and Holding in there with... Cedric at right back. But other than that, I reckon yeah, he'll bring a couple of changes. Maybe Tavares will come in. But going forward, I think we'll probably be pretty strong. Um, and I think 2-1 Arsenal is what I'd go for. Then we've got Forest in the Cup. Um, not, don't know too much about Forest at the moment. Other, since they sacked um, Chris Hutton. Yeah. Um, God, I can't, I don't even, I'm not even sure who their manager is now. He's the former Swansea. He did quite well at Swansea, but for some weird reason, he left them a bit under a cloud. Um, he'd got them playing good football. I think they got into the playoffs last season. I can't remember his name, but I think their manager is oh, good at that. Steve Cooper. That's the one. Steve Cooper, yeah. So, and they've been doing all right in the league, I think, since then, since um, Hutton was sacked. They've moved themselves up into ninth now. Um, but they've lost the last couple of games. Tricky one to call. Um, not sure how much they'll make changes for that game. I think we'll definitely bring the changes for that game. That's where we'll rest everyone, I think. We'll probably see people like Chambers, um, maybe Balogun or Enketia, uh, Pepe, probably get a run out. Oh. In that game as no, well. No, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone, isn't he? Oh, he's of gone. course, yeah, of course, yeah. He's gone to African combinations. Well, yeah. I, I completely forgot about him actually, which is a bit yeah. Of a shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same, same. So like, so did I. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll bring in the changes. Then maybe, maybe even a Patino might get might get some game. Yeah. On that day, um, what do you think of that one? Do you think we'll we'll get the win there? Um, um, away at Forest, isn't it? We we should do the last the the unfortunate thing is the last time we went to Forest at this stage in the competition we lost I think it was two nil I remember Metasaka having a terrible terrible game and we were wearing that terrible light blue kit which I don't think we ever won a match in when we played <laughs> that season yeah that and kit was Arsenal's cool. blue kits are dodgy right I, I'm very superstitious whenever we wear blue predominantly as our away kit we don't do well. We've done well now because we have a yellow kit, so it kind of cancels it out. But if you look, <laughs> Arsenal with a blue kit, look, check it up, uh, Amari. I'm, I'm serious. Arsenal with blue kits do not do well. The only season of late when we've won something, when we're wearing predominantly a blue kit, was 03, the FA Cup, but we lost our league championship in that one. And as well yeah. as that, if I'm correct, the season where Danny Welbeck scored at Old Trafford in the semi-final yeah. of the Apple quarter-final. Then we, yeah, I think we, that's when we beat Villa, I think. Yeah. And so, but usually whenever we have a blue kit, trust me, Arsenal don't do well. So hopefully we'll wear the yellow kit on uh, Sunday and we'll win. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I think we I think we will wear the yellow kit on Sunday as well. Um I think we will. So we'll see if, if your if your theory comes true. So score prediction for that game? Uh I'm just gonna say I I'm just gonna say it will be it won't be easy, but you know, it'll be maybe two nil or two one. Okay. Two one. Um I think it might be a bit tight. I think it might be a bit of a scrap. I'll go for one nil. Us oldies will take 1-0 to the Arsenal. Well, Indeed, indeed. Um, I don't think we'll preview the Liverpool game because we can do that, the second Liverpool game. I think we can do that with the North London derby next week. So um, let's move on to high five and throw a pie. Can you start off with your pie, please? Because I want to talk about the person you're going to Well, play. it's obvious, it's obvious. My pie is going to... It's... It's obvious, but it's diff- if you look at the whole context of the match, there were probably two people, right? Gabriel and the Arsenal number 34. I'm going with the Arsenal 34 because just, again, him putting himself in this position of doing silly things on the pitch. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will think that I've got a vendetta. I probably have. Uh, that's why I'm not mentioning his name. He's just the Arsenal number 34. That's the way I'm dealing with this situation. Uh, it's purely because, yet again, in a high-profile... It doesn't even have to be a high-profile Yet again, this guy is costing us on the pitch, and it really grates me that we need him. I don't dispute that we he makes... He allows Thomas Partey... He allows us to get the best out of Thomas Partey, and he's, he's for the most part, when he's on song, a competent good midfielder he's got good spreading the ball ability and he's got you know he's got a presence but he has cost us far too much far too much i like how you refuse to say there that he makes us better found a way to word it i said that i said that last week right i think i think i distinctly remember myself saying you know when we were discussing him saying yeah i I admit it's a shame that we have to go to him because he's the only option or whatever if he allows Partey to become the best that we want to be, then I will do it. But this guy needs to take away his mistakes and he needs to be called out on his mistakes because he's cost us too many. I can go through a litany of them. Too many mistakes. Too many. Too many. For me, I think that Saturday is just an honest... honest, That's a football mistake for me. That that just happened. I don't think... I think it's unfortunate that it's Xhaka that does it because this is an easy, like... He did it again kind of thing. Mm. But I, I, I just genuinely think that you'll see it over the season, you know, centre midfielder gets kind of posted up by a by a tricky ten and he makes an error. And I don't even think he makes the grievous error. I think he just makes a small lapse in judgment. He panics and yeah, you know, gives away the penalty. But I don't think his mistake is why we lost the game because I think from there, you know, Martinelli could have scored or yeah. Gabriel could have kept his cool. Yeah. Those are maybe, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's three mistakes that led to us yeah. throwing away this game as opposed to, um, as opposed to usual where, you know, maybe Xhaka does something stupid and it's like, everything I, yeah, I falls can't, down. I can't blame him for the single reason for why we lost. I blame him for putting us in that position yet again and it's just that granite Xhaka always it's always like two step one step forward two steps back one step forward two steps back you know in terms of him doing stuff and i get i you know you're right in a way in the sense that it could have been any midfielder it's just that he i've seen him tugging people's shirts so much you know and Mm. to be honest we could say this for any player but it's just i've seen him with that and I thought to myself that might cost us and this is on the back end of him almost doing something stupid against Leeds and apparently he doing something did he do something stupid against Norwich I think apparently he almost did something stupid against Norwich I can't remember I was reading it or or in the post-match and then it's just yeah you know, it got a bit heated it did get a bit heated against yeah Norwich. And, and it's just he, he's always got something within him to cause our demise <laughs> yeah I think but he's getting my pie yeah for me I would say 
you know, at this point, I can't get angry at him anymore because I know who he is. This is just what you have. When, when he's part of your midfield, this is what you've got to accept. It's like, um, you know, like Koscielny, he'd be great. But there was always one mistake in Lauren Koscielny, you know, one big mistake somewhere um, at some point. Um, it's just like, you can be great, but he's always going to, he's got that in him. And as long as he's what we've built our team around, then I can't really have a go at him anymore. And past it, it's more like, you know, Arteta and that lot, he had a chance to kind of move it on. And maybe, yeah, this window, maybe this, this summer it wasn't the time because there was too much other things that we wanted to get done. And I can I can understand that. So that's why I'm a bit like, yeah. I still think we were well in the game there. Um, yeah, anyway. But you're never going to say his name again. That's fine. He's getting your pie. Who's getting your high five? I, I may say his name again if there's a reason for me to say it. Um, you know, this is just how I'm dealing with the with the anger of Saturday. So next time we talk, maybe I'll be able to pronounce it or say it <laughs> fully. Um, who's getting my high five? It's tough. There's so many um, good players, uh, good performances from Saturday. I think I'm just going to give it to Bukayo Saka just for his... You know, he was really having a go at Nathan Ake on that right-hand side and he got the goal. Shame he just didn't follow up that um, that clearance. But apart from that, you know, again, he just shows his quality and uh, need. And especially with his rumours about, you know, Liverpool wanting to sign him, it just shows that it's crucial that we keep on to him. So, yeah, he's getting my high five. Nice. Um, my pie is going to Gabriel. I think... It's something that he's going to have to learn to kind of keep control of quickly because we are still in the game there. There was no need to panic. Um, and I think he, he's lost his head in, the, in that in that instance. Um, and my high five is going to Thomas Partey. I thought he was excellent on Saturday and I thought he allowed us to actually play too often against these teams. We don't have anyone in midfield of any presence to put their foot on the ball. He did that, and as long as he can keep doing that in these big games, then you know we stand a chance. We just hope that he comes back from international duty with Ghana, and he's able to pick it up from there, because it's really if we have him motoring, then you know we are we're a different team, you know. Yeah, for sure. Up. So just hope that he has that mental level to know that's his standard now, and he can just keep on it. So really crucial that we. We keep him on from that point of view. But yeah, all right, I, I, yeah, happy with those. To be honest, right, it's a toss-up between Gabriel and, and the Arsenal number. I was about to say his name. The <laughs> Arsenal number 34 as to the pie. So I think, I think we're all good there. All right. Well, that's us for this week. Uh, um, yeah, still, still going to hurt that defeat, I think, for a little while. Um, but hopefully this episode has been a little bit of catharsis for everyone that listened. Hopefully it was good for you as well, Toes. <laughs> Helpful, bit of therapy. Bit, definitely, definitely. I, I was able to say what I wanted to say, and yeah, I wasn't, I didn't swear, so that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> win all round, win all round. All right, well, <laughs> listeners, that's it for this week, and we'll we'll catch you again after another couple of couple of games for the Arsenal. Hopefully, two two wins in the bag. We'll see you all next week. See you next week.